What I want to do today is talk about how God can use ordinary you and me. How can he do that? What can God do through ordinary you? Sometimes we think it's just the superstars, right? The super pastors, the super athletes that God works through, the, the TV personalities, the only people God can through. But that's not true. He can work through you and I. You just saw that. You just saw that with Janet and Jeremy. People rose to the occasion, came together, and did some amazing things. I want to tell you a little story. You may know this lady, but not yet. This is Cornelia. Cornelia, when she was younger, young lady along with her family members helped over 800 people just by opening their home. Seems like an ordinary lady. On the surface, quite ordinary. She helped her, her family in the business. And their 20 started youth clubs for those with inter, uh, intellectual disabilities. Her parents also uh, boarded some kids for missionary things. And she was in the watch business until 1940 when the government raided her home and confiscated her personal property and arrested her and her family. All because an ordinary lady did some extraordinary things and let God work through her. She hid Jewish people from the Nazis in a room that was only six people could, could be in. And that is Corrie Ten Boom. A lot of you know of Corrie Ten Boom, uh, a wonderful woman. Corey and her, Corey's father died at the hand of the Nazis when they were taken, they were arrested. They had a watch business, watchmaker's business in, in Holland, in Amsterdam. And they were taken to the Nazi concentration camps. So her father died 10 days later in the camp. Her sister, uh, Betsy also died in the camp in Ravensbrück. Not long after her death of her dear sister, listen to this. There was a clerical error, which we call divine, right? She got out. If she stayed a week later, if Corey stayed a week later, she would have been uh, exterminated with the rest of the people that were there. She lived to be 91 years old. Traveled the world with Billy Graham over 60 countries. A film was made called The Hiding Place based on her book and a wonderful family. Here she is. Here's Corey. I don't know what age there, but she seems a little older. That's the place they used to. Now, they didn't have the hole there when the Nazis came, right? The people would hide. They'd go under there, open that closet, and six people would hide. When they were raided, they were, they were ratted out by another Dutch person. Ratted them out. And the six people were still in there after their family was taken away. And again, like I said, over the years, they rescued 800 people by hiding them from to do that. There's a 20th century, remember the 20th century? The 20th century example of someone how God uses people. I want to look today at another, quickly, at another person in the first century. This is Andrew. This is from The Chosen. Has anybody seen The Chosen? All right. I know there's an actress here somewhere named Rose that's in The, in the Chosen. If you want to talk to, to her, that's all she talks about is The Chosen. So I thought I'd grab some pictures. This is an actor, of course. We don't have the, the original picture of Andrew, but this is a guy who picks uh, is Andrew. He's one of the disciples. He's one of the 12 ordinary guys that Christ picks out. None of them had a doctorate. None of them had a college degree. None of them, according to their time, were very educated. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were ordinary guys that God picked out, that Jesus picked out specifically. You and I wouldn't have picked this team. I don't think we would have picked this team. Just ordinary guys. But I want to show you where Andrew is in all this. Andrew's always at the top of the list. The list always starts, there's like three groups here in the Gospels and then in Acts. 
And Peter's always at the top. Peter's always the guy, right? And here's his little brother Andrew there somewhere in the list. Peter and Andrew are brothers. James and John are brothers. They come from the area of Bethsaida in the Sea of Galilee, if you get a chance to go to Israel. A beautiful spot up there. We know more about Peter and less as we go down to the disciples, the list. Of course, Judas Iscariot being the, 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 the different one there. And uh, so there's the list of these guys. Brothers and John, John, James and John, what, the sons of thunder. You've got Peter is quite outgoing. Andrew's kind of quiet. You've got a tax collector there, Matthew. And then you have a zealot, someone who wants to overthrow the government. You've got um, odd pairs, if I, if I think of Bartholomew, ready to, is ready to believe. Thomas, if you remember Thomas, not so ready to believe, doubting Thomas. So we have this information, here's the list. But Andrew's always at the top of the list, but we only see him a few times in Scripture. Yet he makes the top four. As I said, he's a, he's a fisherman, and where, the, where they had most of the miracles, 18 of the 33 miracles of, that Christ did in Galilee were, were done around that area. And the book of John, we want to look at the book of John today. So if you have your Bibles, or they pass out Bibles here, I, I understand. If you have a Bible, a uh, hardback, or if you have that on your phone. The purpose of John's gospel is very important. You hear what we just heard and what we're celebrating today, right? We're celebrating that Jesus Christ and his gospel so you look at the book of John, we'll be in chapter 1, but I want to look at John chapter 20 real quick. The purpose of John's gospel is this, Jesus performed many other signs, John writes, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So there's more that we don't know about, but this is the stuff we need to know about. In this book, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing that you may have life in his name. John 20, verses 20, uh, 30 to 31. That's the purpose of John. The gospel of John is to tell the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. So Andrew, when we meet Andrew in John chapter 1, verse 35 to 39, John chapter 1, you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Chapter 1, verse 35 and 39, we're introduced to Andrew. He first comes and follows the Lamb of God. John's disciples followed Jesus, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of the disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Do you remember that? Remember John the Baptist? His cousin, John's, Jesus' cousin, is baptizing people. And his cousin comes along and he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, now my cousin, if he showed up, he'd be like, why? <laughs> right? But here's, here's John the Baptist's cousin, Jesus. So there's a familiar. And the two disciples heard him saying this, and they followed Jesus. Turning around, I love Jesus here. Jesus saw them following around and said, what do you want? Jesus knows what they want, right? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come, and you will see. So they went where they were staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about the four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said who had followed Jesus. John was a disciple of John the Baptist. He was a God-fearing Jew, very pious. But when he met Jesus, when he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, his whole life changed. You must come first to the Lamb of God. You can't tell other people about the Lamb of God, about Jesus Christ, if you haven't come first to Jesus Christ. We've been on the road, my wife and I. We were in California. That was kind of fun, see my kids. Um, and uh, before that, we were two weeks in Montenegro. 
If you're familiar with uh, the boot of Italy, it's across from there. It used to be the old Yugoslavia, if anybody remembers that, under Russian domination for about 70 years. So we've been there four or five, six times, and we do a sports camp like Jeremy does. We do soccer, volleyball, basketball, and something else. We do tennis. So we're there for a week or so, and we tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we train people to tell them their story, their story, their spiritual journey, because there's 250 people that know Jesus Christ in that country. That's, that's, this church has more of that, right? In that whole country. So we tell people to tell them the story, how they came to Jesus Christ. See, a lot of us were saved from things, if you remember. You were saved from things. Some of the, I say, junk in your life. Some of the sins in your life. You were saved from them. Some of us were saved out of that. So your story is, I wish I had this amazing story. I was a drug egg, blah, 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 and I came from that. No, I was saved from that when I was a kid. I trusted Christ at seven years old. What about your story? What's your story? If you don't know Christ today, if you, you just heard amazing stories that transform kids' lives in your life, comes the Lamb of God. That's what Andrew does first. He says, hey, I'm coming to the Messiah. I know John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, there's the Messiah. I'll follow him. Then, immediately after that, John the Baptist, I mean, Andrew, excuse me, brought his brother to the Messiah. Let's continue the story here. What does Andrew do next? Does he start a television show, a podcast? Does he write a book? Does he go on the road? No. He comes and tells his brother, Peter, about the Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 40, 43. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, always Simon Peter's brother, you ever get that when you're in the family? I'm somebody else's brother. Fine. With one of the two who heard and John had said who had followed Jesus, the first thing, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. You don't understand. Jewish boys, Jewish nation were looking for the Messiah, the long-appointed one to come, the king that would rescue them. Now they had a different version of that. They thought they were going to get rid of the Romans. But he says, here's the Messiah. We've been thinking about him. We've been talking about him in synagogue since we've been kids. We've been looking for that. And the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ or the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. Yeah, how'd you like that? You. <laughs> he already knows who he is. Are Simon, son of John. You will be called Caiaphas, which is translated Peter. He just changed his name to Rocky. All right? Peter might have been the one that's always first in everything. Maybe you have a sibling like that. Right? Always first in everything. It's always about them. Might have been in his sports or his career. Maybe he's the influence in his family. But it's Andrew, the quiet one, that first comes to Jesus. And then he goes out to his family. I don't know what your family's like. Well, my father had a father-in-law had a uh, sign that we took after he passed away. It says, uh, "Friends welcome, family by appointment." <laughs> and uh, you can choose. <laughs> I was kidding, my daughter-in-law. You, you chose us <laughs> to stay in a van. They had their own van. We had our van. But to stay with us, you, you chose my son. You, you came into our family. My wife's family, Mary, back there. She was just at a young age, and she was at a church called Davisville Church. 
that has done sports ministry with us, uh, Productive Life, in Kensington. But at Davisville, uh, she was reading, this is amazing, she was reading the Bible before she was a Christian. So God was kind of, was, not kind of, it was calling her to himself. She's reading the Bible, dusty old Bible mom had. And then a friend invited her to youth group, Jeremy. Invited her to youth group where she trusted Jesus Christ. She came to know Jesus Christ at a young age at middle school a few years ago. <laughs> she turned around and told her brothers and her sister, and they made fun of her. They called her Sister Mary Elephant. They called her Sister Mary because she's telling them about Jesus. Mike has come to Christ. Mark has come to Christ. Her sister Martha has come to Christ. And it took another 30 years before mom and dad trusted Jesus Christ. 30-some years. In their 60s. Mom trusted Christ and then she passed away. My father-in-law lived a few more years later, trusted Christ. And I got to baptize him right here. It was really cool. And if you knew my father-in-law, I wanted to keep him under the water a long time. <laughs> you know, the more sin you have, the pastor keeps you down a little bit. But he became a Christian, and he actually served here as, as an usher and some things. So it was wonderful. Do not give up on your family. Mom and dad, Mimi and Boppy, as we call them, years in their 60s, and just a few years before they, they, um, they died. So do not give up. That's what Andrew does. He comes to the Messiah and understands what the Messiah has done for him, what Christ has done. If you understand what Christ has done for you, you're going to be a better dad. You're going to be a better mom. You're going to be a better husband. You understand the grace he has for you, and then you can be graceful to the drug addict. You can be graceful for the family member that's annoying. You can be graceful to all the people that you have a trouble with. He comes and he tells them about Jesus. Then Andrew, we see one more time, or a few more times, Andrew brings a boy to Jesus. This is in John chapter 6, so you have to go over a few more chapters. John chapter 6. Austin said I had a few moments today, 25 minutes or so, and Jeremy and, and Janet did well, and then Austin got up and preached, I mean, did his announcements. But <laughs> I'm, I'm praying for my friend Tom, and I know Tom, uh, he takes a little longer in preaching. But if I'm shorter today, my wife always says, leaving them wanting more. So we're in John chapter 6. Andrew comes to Christ. He brings his brother Peter to Christ. And without Peter, Peter's the guy. Yeah, he denies Christ three times after Christ's crucifixion. But he's also the guy that gets up, and when he preaches, 3,000 people come to Jesus Christ in the book of Acts. So if it wasn't for little Andrew, quiet Andrew bringing his brother, 3,000 people came to Jesus Christ. And people are like, I don't like big churches. The first church was a mega church. <laughs> it was 3,000 people. So Andrew, then he continued, Andrew in chapter 6, uh, we keep going. He brings a boy to Jesus. And here's again from the chosen with Andrew. And you know the story if you grew up in the church. If you didn't, it's the feeding of 5,000. People are continuing to follow Jesus. Now at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus is like, shh, don't tell anybody stuff. He just wanted to concentrate on his disciples. But then the word gets out. Jesus is traveling. He's telling them the gospel, the good news. Now to them, remember, the Romans are oppressive. They're looking for a king to come. So here's this guy saying, hey, a new kingdom is coming. Now he's talking spiritual in their hearts, not destroying the Romans. But you could get where they're coming from. So hundreds of thousands of people are following him. 
There's 5,000, the feeding of 5,000, we title that. But there's probably more than 10,000 people there. And they show up for Jesus' teaching. He speaks with authority. He doesn't quote C.S. Lewis, because he's not around. He doesn't quote another rabbi. He quotes himself. <laughs> he's the living word. So he's coming, and they're, they're, they're refreshed by this teaching. And if you get to see us in the chosen, uh, it's just kind of cool to see these people coming. But after he's done teaching, just like today, got to make it to 12, right? <laughs> Not this service, though. No. <laughs> but I remember going to 12 as a kid going, come on. Then they do communion. You're like, no, no, I'm hungry. So 10,000 people with kids screaming, doing stuff. There's no Wawa in sight. There's no ATM to get stuff. So what are they going to do? How are they going to feed these people? So we see in John chapter 6, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, and again, I love Jesus, because you think he knows what's going on? Do you think he has to ask the question? <laughs> he asked, uh, where, uh, he asked Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. He knew. For I already had in mind what he was going to, what he was going, uh, to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for, for each one to have a bite. Imagine that. So he's flipping out, right? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. What are we going to do? Another of his disciples, who? Andrew. Who is he? Simon Peter's brother. Spoke up. Here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? I love what Riverstone is doing through soccer camp and VBS and partnering with the Middle East. It takes a little bit of your money and your time, and it's multiplied. A little bit of you sharing Jesus with your neighbor, and that's multiplied. What you're doing, you maybe never get to the Middle East. Some of you may not come down to Kensington with me. Some of you may not, never leave Yardley. But the influence Riverstone has is because of a little faith. Even Andrew says, here's a boy, he's got some stuff. <laughs> but how far would that go? Uh, what we're trying to do in Philadelphia with Productive Lives and what you guys are involved with, uh, the Willard School, we've done a basketball camp where a couple hundred kids showed up. As I said, there's 700 kids. We've done recess for Willard School with groups will come down. We'll match groups to come down with projects down there. And so they asked us to do recess one day. And we're like, there's 700 kids who are going to come out. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. I think we got 10 volunteers. So we just did carnival games. They came out in different stages. They didn't come out 700 kids. But they came out different stages, and we played games with them, carnival games. And we always point them back to Cornerstone Community Church, which is in the neighborhood. We're not there to plant a church. We're there to support the churches down there and what they've been doing for over 40 years. And so that's what we're doing. And what was cool at the basketball camp we did this year is a student, this huge guy, who used to be in the kids' club at Cornerstone, got up and shared about what Jesus is doing in his life. So that little seed many years ago uh, with the Cornerstone pastors, this guy gets up and African-American basketball player to talk to these kids was amazing. And they listened to him because he was where they were. And he still lives in Kensington and tell them about Jesus Christ. A little can go a long way. I meet with a bunch of men for breakfast and the business guys, and 
They're always like, hey, how about 7 a.m.? like, how about not? <laughs> but we meet at 7 or 6 in the morning, and we've been doing that. Just a bunch of guys from uh, the church I attend. Uh, one guy owns a uh, hair salon. The other guy owns a, a construction business. Another guy owns a detailing shop. Another guy is a painter. And we just get together, and we said, I said, I'd like to get together with you guys. Ultimately, I love them to help with us what we're doing. But just to get together, all young businessmen, but they're entrepreneurs, and they're using what they have for Jesus Christ. This is what Andrew's doing. He's using what he had for Jesus Christ. They did a turkey giveaway of 15,000 turkeys in the Lower Bucks County last year. Another group, this guy down in Bristol calls it Homie Claus, and he dresses up as Santa Claus in a blue outfit, and he gives out toys in Bristol. This group of guys have formed uh, a camp uh, with a bunch of volunteers that I believe I'm going Friday to. Uh, they're taking kids from our area, disadvantaged kids, and they're taking them to Lancaster for a week of camp. Uh, so they're doing that kind of stuff. And then they're using the Chamonix Mall. They rented a place in the Chamonix Mall to use as an after-school program. So if you're ever in the Chamonix Mall, I haven't been to the mall in years, but there's malls still. And the Chamonix Mall, they're using that and they're going to do after-school program. They're using what they have for Jesus Christ. Some of these guys will never be up front. Some of these guys will never teach a Bible study yet. But we meet, we pray, we strategize, and we talk about their lives and what God can do. Jesus, Andrew used a little boy to bring someone to Christ for the greater kingdom. What do you have to, to give? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's that you can, I just talked to a guy, a surfer dude out in California that knows like three languages. I'm like, hey, he's a surfer dude. He knows three languages. He remodels vans. He does all this kind of stuff. He uses what he has for Jesus Christ. You may be a medical uh, physician here today. You may be a guitar player. You may like little kids and you want to help in the, in the nursery. I always have people go, can I go to Africa with you, Cam? Can I go to Peru with you? Can I go to the Dominican Republic? My first question is, have you served in the nursery? Have you set up chairs at Riverstone Church? Have you uh, made the coffee? Well, no, but I want to go to Africa. I said, you can't do that here. I'm not taking you to Africa. I'm not even taking you to Philly. Andrew, Andrew uses what he had, whatever you have, an athletic ability. Again, this summer, if you can play soccer or football, as they say in Europe, if you can swing a tennis racket, you can tell people about Jesus Christ. Andrew used what he had to point people to the kingdom. And then Andrew brings Greeks to Jesus. Andrew brings the Greeks to Jesus. This is just a thoughtful picture. I couldn't find one with the Greeks in it of Andrew. Now, there was some, this is John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we're still in the book of John, remember? All about telling about Jesus. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up from worship at the festival. So, they're in Jerusalem. It's Passover, it's packed. But there were some Greeks there. They're not Jewish. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They've heard of the miracles. They've heard of the feeding of 5,000. They've heard of people coming back from the dead from this man. They've heard about wine at a, at a, at a wedding. And he's done all these amazing So want, they want to see Jesus. Philip went to who? Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. We uh, work with a church in South Philly, and if you know South Philly, who's been to South Philly? Cheesesteaks, pretzels, you got it, okay, right? 
This is where Rocky ran and all that kind of stuff. Usually the demographic is a, it was a heavily Italian Jewish neighborhood. Now it's changed. It's really more Southeastern Asian population there. And we work with a church called Snyder Avenue Congregational Church, the longest name ever. But they have seven different congregations in their church. It's old Baptist building, uh, white, Hispanic, Congolese, uh, Myanmar, uh, I, I forget who they all are. They have seven different congregations at different times throughout their building. And uh, we go down there, there's about 180 people line up, uh, mostly uh, Chinese uh, descent. They're refugees, they're coming to Philly, and they line up, and we have a food distribution. You ever want to go? It's every Saturday, except the first Saturday of the month. And they line up for food, and they're reaching their neighborhood. The neighborhood has changed. I think for the better, it's more diverse, there's more people coming, there's more opportunities to do that. And what's really cool is that there's a Buddhist temple down there, kind of, you know, you got the cheese steaks, you got, yo, yo, what's happening over here, right? And then you have a Buddhist temple in the corner of the park where they have a kids club. And I always take groups, especially college groups that come down, and we stand outside. The temple has, you know, the golden dragon and all the stuff outside in the, temp on the, in the courtyard outside. So I usually just speak in hushed tones and talk about world religions and worldview and what's different between us and Buddhism as Christians. The one day we took a group and a couple of construction workers were there uh, from Cambodia. This is a Cambodian uh, temple. And they said, would you like to go in? I'm like, yes. I'd love to go to a Buddhist temple. I've been to one before. I said, but I have 30 students with me. That's okay. I'm sure the monk wants to see you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we go in, take our shoes off. We get to go around the temple while he's uh, uh, just about having his last meal, and then what the, the monks do, they, they fast for a while. So we got him just before his last meal and stuff. And uh, we walked around, and we talked to some of the people there. We talked to the, the monk and had some great questions. I said, let's go in respect. I, thunk, I think Christians don't listen. We usually tell before we do something. So I said, let's just listen and ask questions. You can ask theological questions or why do you have a robe or any kind of questions like that. And great dialogue with the students. When I was leaving, he's in his full monk uh, robe. When he's leaving, he said, would you like to come back? I said, yes. I love, I bring groups all the time. And we're always down this way. He says, I have a cell number. I said, you do? You have a cell phone? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure where he had it. But he gave me his number, and then I called him the next time. I said, could we come down? We'd love to come down and interact with you. We have a group of Christians. This is what we do. And he said, that'd be wonderful. So we've been interacting with the Buddhist, and I have his, Muni is his name. You can pray for Muni. He may be trying to convert me, and I'm converting him, but we just have great conversations. <laughs> um, actually, he thinks we're all the same. Uh, what they're doing and what we're doing is all the same and all the same God, which I'll, I'll say today is not true. Um, but it's been great to talk to him. See, what Andrew did was he went outside of his circle to reach people for Jesus Christ. He reached out to people that smelled differently, that looked differently, that spoke differently. And that's what I love about going to Philly. Again, Productive Life is in Philadelphia, but we went to Montenegro. We're going to go to the Dominican Republic. We go to places that the gospel needs to be presented to people that don't look like you and I mostly, right? He goes outside of his circle, and aren't you glad he did? Maybe some of you are here from a Jewish background and trusted Jesus Christ, but most of us are Gentiles. Most of us are the Greeks. He went outside his circle, and Jesus did this continue. He broke, he spoke to women. 
He spoke to, he spoke to Sumerians. He spoke to Greeks, and he brought them. Andrew's mind was, hey, they want to see Jesus because I encountered Jesus. Remember that? If you're excited about Jesus, then you want to be excited about telling someone else about Jesus Christ. What does this all mean? What does this all mean? Jesus doesn't want greatness, but faithfulness. Hey, you're all great, and as Janice says, we are made in the image. We are masterpieces of God. I understand that. But he just doesn't want this great church with lots of people and lots of money. He wants faithfulness. Each time we see Andrew and John, he's telling someone else about Jesus. He's bringing them to Jesus Christ. He's just being faithful. He's not Peter. He's just Andrew. He's just ordinary Andrew doing some extraordinary things. A fisherman, a businessman, a watchmaker, helping people about Jesus Christ. When I first came here, it was 1989. Some of your kids are like, what? What's 89? Uh, I want to tell you, this, the founders of Riverstone, there's some people here, some great friends from those years, and some of you are new. Actually, I was in Kensington at a, some of you guys came down to Kensington, and some people from Riverstone, and they said, we're from Riverstone. They started telling me about the church. I said, I, yeah, I know, I know about the church, and they kept, they were so excited, and they wouldn't let me finish that, yeah, I know about, oh, we're so excited about Riverstone. You should come to Riverstone. I said, yeah, it's a great church. It's, it's great. But years ago... The founders of Riverstone, which is called Bible Fellowship Evangelical Free Church. Whew, again, the longer the name, Riverstone's cool. <laughs> there were four families, the Willards, the Dolies, the Rosinas, and the Perkins. Four faithful families. Then when I hear the stories, and they reminded me when my salary was, I don't know, $22,000 a year. <laughs> um, four families that sacrificed their income. They pulled their income together, called the pastor, started a church in New Jersey, Finally came over to the uh, community center in Yardley. We finally, and we were at the Great Nun Academy for a long time. Uh, I've been yelled at by the sisters. And then we got this property. Four faithful families that sacrificed. They were, some of them are gone. The last few times it was here is for funerals for some of these guys. Um, and Darlene and Rosina attends here still. Uh, but they were faithful and they stayed with it. Uh, I would say they weren't great orators. I would say uh, they knew the scriptures. They knew what God wanted them to do. And that's because of the, their faithfulness that you sit here today. Isn't that cool? You may not see them until heaven, um, but it's because of their faithfulness. Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose you and me. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that were not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. It's all because of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take a quick moment. Again, we were just out in California, different weather, different lifestyle, but the water's there. And if you think of Andrew just dropping a little bit of water in the Sea of Galilee, and you know, if you've done this, you've seen the ripple effects from people's faithfulness. But let's just take a moment, real quick, and go through a list of things of unqualified, ordinary people that God worked through. Noah, he drank too much, but God used him to build an ark to save the world. 
Abraham and Sarah, they were two old and washed up couple who God used to build a nation. Joseph, he was an entitled teen who went through uh, God's classroom of training to save both uh, Egypt and Israel. Moses, he was a stutterer who God used as a spokesman and a leader to take the nation out of Egypt. Rahab was a prostitute who God used to help spies to take over Jericho. Jonah, he was an escapist who God brought back to Nineveh. Esther, she was an adopted orphan who became queen to save Israel. Peter, he was a quitter who God brought back to start the kingdom. Paul was an enemy of Christ who became the most prolific Christian in the New Testament, wrote most of our New Testament. You see, God can use ordinary you. When I was a youth pastor here, we took kids down to Philadelphia because one of our elders was really, had a connection down there. And we met a young man named John Eric Santiago and his, and his friend Frankie Santiago. Not related, Frankie and John Eric. Because of those many years ago, we just dropped some seeds in the faithfulness of that church down there. These two, one is a pastor now, another one's a missionary in Germany. Go figure, he knows Spanish. And he went to Germany. But working with that group many years ago, just dropping that, that seed, the ripple effect, the ripple effect, not me, but what this church did, what God did, became an effective way to reach people for Jesus Christ. God can use ordinary you and me to do extraordinary things.